The views expressed by the hosts are their own and does not imply an endorsement of any entity they represent. Will you just flip it? Hey Garbos and welcome to the fourth episode of Just Flip It. You are listening to Ewan and my co-host is... Patrick, how are you going Ewan? Good. Uh, For this episode uh, we wanted to change it around a bit and we're going to introduce the lead subject of what Maruchidor Council is uh, trying to introduce Uh, and we also wanted to introduce Wanker of the Week. So Patrick... (laughs) Uh, with the third episode, you made a prediction, and it seems like you've come on come on cross with the Suez thing. We will talk about that in a minute. But first off, how was your week? Or actually, how was your two weeks since your new job? Yeah, so um, pretty different. So just to remind everyone, I've moved from um, from uh, clean away to a smaller operator here in Melbourne. Um, very different. So obviously doing exactly the same job, still picking up bins, still putting them down, still going to the tip. But um, just the uh, the everyday operations of the business is um, quite dramatically different. Um, you know, most of the people in the office at this company have um, either worked uh, in the industry or have even worked on the trucks. Um, so they sort of know what we're doing and they understand, you know, what it is that we actually do out on the road. And um, so, yes, yeah, so that's made for quite a big um, a big change for me. But, um, yeah, it's been enjoyable. I've been on my own for most of it, which is fine. You know, I think you tend to, you know, learn better when you're having to sort of use your mind rather than someone telling you turn left, turn right. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest challenges are being schools of all things because I think when you think of, uh, you know, big corporate businesses and stuff like that, they usually have an in and out or a, you know, a, a staff driveway and a um, goods inwards. Uh, schools tend to have multiple entrances, and uh, so I've had a couple of interesting ones where I've pulled in and gone, "Hmm, this is not where I'm supposed to be." But no, other than that, it's been it's been pretty good. I think I've uh, made the right decision. Yeah, I was talking to you earlier, and you're saying how you um, went into one school, picked up a bin got a phone call a couple of hours later and they're like oh you didn't get the bin and you're like yeah i did oh no we met the other bin up the back of the school that you don't know about yeah <laughs> so but that's that that's the difference is that they knew straight off the bat they're like hmm, you were there at, uh you know 3 a.m in the morning and uh in pitch black so yeah we can completely understand how you missed that don't worry you can get it tomorrow yeah so um my week was just Oh, it, I had a brilliant, like, Monday to Thursday, brilliant week, just nothing really happened, just went to work, picked, picked up bins, come home, everything was fine. Friday, if I didn't knock one bin over, I knocked 20 bins over. I just, I don't know what it was, I just was off my game. I was knocking bins over left, right and centre, having to get out, pick them up, getting the shits with myself. And then um, when it was knockoff time, I was I was swap seats, went to go around the corner. As I'm turning the steering wheel, I get this massive pain in my hand, and I'm thinking, "What the hell was that?" And I'm like, "Oh, have I just pinched the hand? Like, 
what have, what's what's happened? Too Any, much wanking. <laughs> nah, not uh, yeah, probably. But <laughs> I'm driving down the road. Well, I was driving up the road, and five minutes, my armpit starts swelling, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Like, I'm looking at my hand. There's no bites. There's, and I'm like, my armpit's swelling. So obviously, I've got a bite, and. About 15 minutes later, my groin starts hurting and I'm like, well, that happens when I get a bite because I'm allergic to bees, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. I couldn't see anything in the truck. Anyway, tip the load, get out to wash the truck, and here's a frigging green ant on the floor of the truck. So I'm assuming I got bitten by a green ant, but just had a bad reaction to it, like... I react, well, probably the last two or three times I've been bitten by a bee, I haven't swelled up like I did as a kid, but I just had this bad reaction to a green ant. Um, and I'm assuming uh, Wednesday this week I got hoop, I got the whooping cough vaccination and the flu vaccination at the same time. Um, so I'm assuming that maybe my system was a bit compromised and that's why I that's reacted so bad? Could be. Could yeah. be just that you haven't been bitten by a green ant for a long time and it uh, just it sort of built up and really hurt when it happened. Yeah, well, I don't think I've, I can't remember being bitten on the hand, so it might have just been the fact that, yeah, it was on the hand. Like normally you get bitten on the foot or something like that, but, yeah, yeah. I just haven't had a reaction like that before. So... Um, with the third episode, we did a subject about the Suez and Cleanaway um, stosh in court. Patrick made a oracle prediction, and what was it? Three days so, later, I think it was almost exactly a week from when the um, the Cleanaway offer was uh, tentatively accepted that Veolia. Um, in France, made an offer that was acceptable to Suez. So one of the um, one of the conditions, uh, as we discussed last episode, was that if Veolia made an acceptable offer to Suez for the entire business, that would make the cleanaway deal null and void, which is exactly what happened. Um, they didn't get quite to the uh, amount that they wanted. I think um, it was. I'm going to have a double check here. Um, but it it wasn't offer that Suez was happy to accept on behalf of their shareholders. Um, so they agreed on 20, 20. 50, um euros per share, which I think was uh, one euro less than uh, Suez originally wanted, but they'd come up quite a bit. And look, the reality is, you know, as um, uh, one of our supervisors uh, at CleanAway had said, it's whoever's got the bigger pockets is the one that's going to to win this battle and you know clean away might be uh number one in australia for a short period of time ongoing um but um they just simply don't have the money that a company like veolia you know a massive massive multinational company with operations in you know 30 40 countries it, it was never going to be something where they were just going to let that happen um i think uh, there is a payment to clean away of um around 50 million dollars um, that Suez has to pay because effectively they're the ones that have uh, put the kibosh on this deal. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it, I couldn't see it, it happening any other way. 
that's the the short answer is it just had to there was had to be some way that this was going to happen that Violi was going to get what they wanted. Um, they wouldn't have spent all that money last year buying thirty percent of the company if they weren't in a um, a pretty good position to buy um, the, the entirety of Suez. However, there is um, you know no one goes home without a prize. Um, Cleanaway's consolation is that they are still going to proceed with that deal to purchase the two landfills and a number of transfer stations in New South Wales. Um, the bonus in that for Veolia is that that will probably keep the ACCC at bay when it comes to you know the tie-up of Veolia and Suez. Um, it's going to mean that there's, there's very little else that they're probably going to have to dispose of um, in order to make that transaction happy for you know, for the, the competition watchdog in Australia. Yeah, so, I mean, Viola got Suez, which is what they wanted, and Clean Away still still gets what they they wanted out of it as well. Well, they do and they don't. They they obviously wanted to buy the, the entire collections business as well, but, you know, I think they're still happy with that deal because it kind of fills a gap for them in Sydney. Um, but as I said, it does, you know, regardless of how happy that makes them, it still makes Viola happy in a way, because they're going to have less hurdles to jump through um, with the ACCC when it comes to actually tying these two companies up. Um, I was discussing with a, um, another driver this week about whether or not they'd keep both businesses, whether they'd amalgamate them, whether they'd keep one brand or another. And sort of, I think, I think the way that you know that I look at it, and let, let's see if my my prediction can be right two times in a row. Um, I would think that they'll keep the Veolia name in relation to the water resources. Um, I think it's got uh, that name has quite a good resonance with being um, on that purity and that, um, you know, not not to use any puns here, but that clean scale. And I think Suez is probably more recognisable um, in the waste game. And I think it wouldn't be a terrible idea to keep those two aspects of the business separate um, and, and utilise, you know, the, the gains that you've got in both company names um, and reputations to sort of push it in those two directions. Yeah, so that's it. As as you hear it here, listeners, Patrick is a guru and he well, every single prediction that he makes comes true. Oh, yeah, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. I also predicted that our... Um, our uh, group at work would win the 80, uh, $80 million Powerball. That didn't work. Oh, you, you can't <laughs> win anything. So uh, moving on to the prime subject of the podcast today, uh, it come up on a website that we followed the other day of Sunshine Coast. So I jumped on the um, Brisbane Times the article is, plan to rid Australian city of rubbish trucks almost ready to suck. The 70-kilometre suction whoosh of Australia's first underground waste disposal system will replace the clanging and rattling of some rubbish trucks and wheelie bins by June. Automated underground rubbish systems are in place in cities including Stockholm, Siolm, Seoul, Barcelona, London, Sorry. Singapore, Beijing, but not in Australia. So over the past five years, a 6.5-kilometre network of underground pipes has been placed under a section of Marucci Door on Queensland's Sunshine Coast in the first phase of the initiative... Ah, innovative... Innovative... 
Waste disposal. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Waste disposal technology rollout. It will be Australia's first underground automated household waste system. In September 2016, Swedish company Envac won the contract to build the waste disposal network under 52 hectares of Maroochydore's new master plan central business district. At the time, Envac regional president Chung Hong-ya Yong-ha asked why Australia's waste collection services were so far behind development countries in Europe and Asia. So, yeah, um, a 10-metre-tall waste collection station and the first part of the underground piping including the link from underneath the apartments and offices spaces to the nearby waste collection station are finished. Sunshine Council Planning Services Group Executive Manager James Rupari said NVAC technical experts would assess the completions of the system. Waste and recyclables from buildings and public realm bins in the new Maroochydore City Centre will move by vacuum pressure at up to 70 kilometres an hour through a six and a half kilometre network of underground pipes to a collection station. Vacuum will be created by a series of 110 kilowatt motors that suck recyclable and general waste to an airtight soundproof collection station just outside the CBD. The collection material will then be transferred to disposal or recycling facilities. So, sounds like um, the Sunshine Coast is putting in a big vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I think I think probably the first important thing to note here is that this is in an area that is um, greenfields. So there is nothing there already this is not something they're just going to be able to um to put into existing cities and everything like that this is basically starting from with a blank canvas um i think when they ask about you know why is it different to you know places like europe and asia well there's two answers to that depending on you know which tack that you want to take but both of them um kind of end up at the same point well the first one is Population density in Australia is not even remotely similar to what it is in Europe or in, especially in Asia. So, you know, if you could imagine, like, I'm looking out my window now and I'm like, okay, so I've got, you know, um, a couple of townhouses on both sides of me, but we're looking over probably, you know, 150-odd metres between each of those properties type of thing. This is not something that they're going to be putting into existing areas this would be something that they would put into new new suburbs and it wouldn't just be new estates it would have to be whole suburbs so what they're doing in maroochydore is they're basically building a whole new cbd but they're building it on nothing yeah so so they've they've got the they've got the luxury of doing something like this yeah so they're basically there's just a, a flat land they're like righto instead of us starting to put um water in and stuff like that they're like okay we're going to do a waste network we're going to do water we're going to do internet we're going to do all that before roads start going down houses start going down buildings businesses so basically they're doing um as if you were playing sim city yeah exactly so that's the first the, the first thing where they've got that luxury to do that the second thing that i think is probably going to be more of a challenge and you would 
um, seeing as that you do municipal would would understand this more probably than than me in commercial, is that people in Europe and to to an extent in the I suppose in the more developed areas in Asia, people have gotten used to over such a long period of um, of handling their waste and what they and what they do with it in such a specific way that the people are kind of already trained to do this. Um, as you'd know, people throw out things that they shouldn't throw out. Um, so, you know, whether it be massive rocks or, you know, um, big pieces of, of timber or appliances and things like that. These systems, it's not to say that they they don't operate well when they are, I suppose, given the right things put in them. I question how well they're going to work um, and the cost of maintenance and stuff when people are putting the wrong things in them. Because it's not, although the area itself is greenfields, the people moving into them are not new people. You know, they're people that have lived in Australia presumably for a number of years and have gotten used to doing things in a certain way. I genuinely question whether any of these type of systems would work out to be as successful as they think they're going to be without the people having a completely different attitude towards their waste. Because I'm looking at the the pictures on the um, the Maroochydore Council website, and they've got you know these these tubes above ground, and they've got someone you know dropping a bag into them. That's all very well and good, but those holes, people will try and fit the biggest items they possibly can in there. I question whether or not there's going to be problems with the actual infrastructure. Yeah, hopefully, um, like that's the thing. Uh, the problem is, is with the truck or trucks as well. Like you, people don't bag waste. People don't. Well, they throw waste in bins. Like a, I've done park bins, and there's been sheets of asbestos that the only way that they could get in the bin is if they opened the door, pulled the bin out, put it in there and then put it and then closed the door, which yeah. they don't have keys for. So yeah, I get I get your um, comment about the whole you're gonna have people trying to throw timber in there. You're gonna have people try throwing oil in there. Like they but that comes down to education. Like people just gotta realise that you can't throw out everything. Like Everything yeah. has a place on where it needs to go, and I yeah, mean, <laughs> it's it's obviously going to be a system. I mean, it says here the NVAC system is successful around the world, is now in more than thirty countries. So the rate of penetration tends to increase as it becomes more accepted option locally. It's going to come down to education. They're going to have to educate people on how to do it like yeah. there's going to be no oh you can't stick a toaster down there you can't stick a, a, a tv which everyone tries to do like yeah. people just they don't see waste and going back to your comment about overseas um i've worked up at the tip one day and i had a, a elderly gentleman come in and he was going on about how our new waste transfer station was was nice, and he's like, "Mate, we've been doing this for twenty five years in in the UK." He's like, yeah. "I'm used to doing stuff like this, and yeah, like we're twenty to twenty five years behind uh, compared to the other countries." Yeah. 
So, and the other thing too is, I mean, obviously the system works. Like, well, oh, absolutely. You would you would think that a government would not implement a system that doesn't work, but that does happen. Oh, you know that that because that never happens, does it? <laughs> but it, I mean, the the thing about it is, it, it would be interesting. Like, what type of blockages? Um, how would you repair a blockage? Um, but I, I think it comes down to like you've got so it would be similar to your plumbing system where your plumbing has water going down and the water washes the objects down the pipes. This is going to use a vacuum system. So um, what happens when you get a bit of debris in a joint or something like that and a vacuum can't be sealed around it to pull it out? I think, look, as you said, it's not that this – it's not to say that this um, system – doesn't work because it obviously does. Otherwise, a the company that's doing it wouldn't exist, and b that that you know these countries wouldn't have implemented this and spent millions or you know it would be rolling into billions of dollars to put it in. However, as I said, my my concern for it being successful in Australia is that we are this would be sim- no different to putting this system in in America. Yeah, it's we. And this is where people, you know, talk about, um, you know, for, we'll, we'll save that for another episode, but briefly, people talk about the waste to energy plants and things like that. That's great if you don't have the land mass to do what we do in Australia. Yeah. That's the short answer. These, these, um, the, these, these ideas require people to completely change the way that they do things. And that's not something you can snap your fingers and do if they're used to have been doing it the same way, like, you know, there was that, that I, I suppose, probably a big quantum shift that happened, you know, what, really around 25, 30 years ago when we changed, you know, from, um, you know, bags and normal bins, changed to the wheelie bin setup. That was one big shift, and that took a long time, and people are still doing the wrong thing with putting stuff that they shouldn't put into the bins in them. This is a whole different level of expecting people to go, okay, well, I can't put this, 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 and this in it. And with no normal, you know, they're saying that there'll be no front front lift, rear lift, or side lift vehicles. Um, where are people expected to put these things that they supposedly can't put in it? As we know, people are going to find a way. You know, I'm looking at the, you know, and again, they're only, um, you know, electronically generated images, but I'm thinking about, hmm, okay, that hole might be that big. Let's take the top off these you know, bin looking things and jam stuff into them. I think it's not to say that it won't be successful, but I think that there'll be a lot of problems first up. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of ongoing costs to the maintenance side of it. And I'm just wondering how much of that they've actually factored in. Oh, and that's it. Like, I mean, how many, how many things do you see every day that get introduced and, there's just people out there that just like oh, I want to I want to test it and just destroy it like yeah um, it's brilliant like it's a great in an initiative for the council to bring in the thing is is what are people going to do to try and destroy it and try and wreck it for everyone because people will do that oh of course but, but that's anything it doesn't matter what infrastructure you build there's going to be people that are unhappy with it and try and you know, destroy it. But as I said, my, my question probably lies around, 
not the cost of building the infrastructure, but it'll be interesting to see what the ongoing cost of maintaining it is. I think it would be considerably higher than what it is in Europe, purely down to the fact that people are not used to this type of thing and there's going to be drawbacks with it. Yep. So uh, moving on to another one that we wanted to do is we wanted to introduce Wanker of the Week. Because, <laughs> you know, we never get any of those, do we? <laughs> so the whole aim of Wanker of the Week is to tell a story about uh, mine or Patrick's uh, experiences in the week or the last two weeks and the enjoyment that we get out of being a garbage driver. And I've got one for this week. I was out picking up a residential area. It was in the dark. Um, I was driving along, picked up the bin, and here comes a gentleman walking down his driveway uh, to collect his bin. And it took me a double, a couple of takes to realise that uh, this bloke wasn't wearing any underwear. So, so the first question I have is, was he a ginger? Uh, no, he was an older oh. gentleman. Um, I was not impressed. That one. <laughs> <laughs> I was not impressed. Uh, but yeah, um, it's not what I want to see. So, Mister Person who likes to pick up his rubbish, uh, go and pick up his bin with his sausage hanging out. You, sir, are the wanker of the week. Yep, I, I think that's I think that's a worthy winner for the uh, for the first one. I, I just can't look. I um I grew up um in a pretty I don't want to say a prudish family, but we weren't big on nudity. Like I think probably the last time I saw you know my parents naked was probably when I was like two or three, you know, and having and at that age you know stop showering or even using the the um like a bath or a shower with my parents around. Um, so for me, the whole, you know, being naked in front of other people, even, you know, from a sex point of view is still something that I'm not, you know, really that keen on. I can't actually imagine, like, I don't know what, was this a main road or a quieter street or? Uh, it was a quiet street. It was out in, you could probably call it, call it rural. Um, look, (laughs) I understand that everyone has what they want, like what they want to do. But fuck's sake, mate, the garbo doesn't want to see it. Like, yeah, like he was just, yeah. Look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm strutting it. Yeah, look, look and I'm just like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, I, f- I felt like just putting the bin back down and trying to grab it with the, with the grab, like, <laughs> rip it off, say so you'd. Use it and lose it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just so I can't imagine. Look, I'm I'm in a little bit of a different situation. I live on a um, three lanes either direction main road in Melbourne. So um, you know, it wouldn't matter what time of day I did that, I would definitely get seen. Um, And I don't think anyone would want to see that anyway. Um, But yeah, I I can't even. Yeah, I can't imagine doing it. I will admit, I will admit in past places I've lived, I've gone out and put my bin out in my underwear, but also made sure that there was no one around when I did it. Oh, uh, undies, you see all the time. That's not my problem. Yeah, undies, you see all the time. You 
you're driving down the road and they come out and they run out in your undies. That's funny. Like, that is funny. But when there's a full-on sausage hanging out and they're strutting it, nah, don't want to see that. So basically, uh, so that's the wrap-up for the episode four. We um, we have an Instagram page. It is Just Flip It Podcast. Hit us up if you're on the Instagram or slide into our DMs, as they want to say it. Also, we've got an email at justflipitpodcast at gmail.com.au. Send us any suggestions. What do you want us to talk about? Give us a wanker of the week. Give us a legend of the week and we'll read it out in future podcasts.